Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God is with us. God is with us. We're following Him. We're following His plan, His purpose. For there is a place that you have yet to walk. And the enemy has a loud voice. And yes, he does talk. And he's been saying and declaring there is no way that you're going to fulfill what God has called you to do. Because I'm going to stop you and I'll see that particular project that you will not do. But know this, says the Lord. The Bible says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He also teaches us to resist him steadfast in the faith. So stand against the voice of the enemy. Stand against the tests and trials of the enemy. Stand against the opposition of the enemy as he comes trying to discourage and trying to move you out of your place and telling you that the word of God is not true and it will never be real for you. But as you stand upon my word, you will be filled by my spirit. You will be empowered by my anointing. And you will tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. For I have anointed you in this day to take your place and move in this supernatural way. So it's not a time to be discouraged. It is a time to be encouraged. Even as David, my servant, did for himself. It says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. So it's a time that you encourage yourself, strengthen yourself as my spirit and my power comes upon you. For in this day, you're moving into a brand new hour. You're moving into a brand new place and you're going to move into a realm of the spirit that you've never been before. For I, the Lord, have opened up this door. And that's why there's been so much opposition. That's why there's been so much temptation. That's why there's been so many tests and trials. But uh, stand strong, stand stalwart, for I have equipped you, I have anointed you, and I will keep you, and you shall overcome, and your race you shall run, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to run this race. Nothing's going to stop us. We're going to take our place. Oh, Lord, we realize what he's trying to do. Lord, even in a national level. Lord, and I've seen him several times. I've seen him several times. Wicked spirits in the heavenlies there. I've seen him several times influencing this nation, Lord. But Lord, I know that the church is arising in this hour. Fill with your power and the anointing and we're going to walk it out exactly like you said. The devil is not going to win, but your plan shall come to pass at last, at last, at last. And your kingdom shall be established in this earth. 
and the great outpouring of the spirit of the living God that has been promised in the word of God. It shall come to pass just like the Bible said it would and there is nothing that shall stop it. There's nothing that will hold it back because I'm moving by my spirit and by my power in this hour, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're moving by your spirit. You're moving by your power. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, I realize that it's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that puts us over. It's that anointing as we gather together even here tonight. There's a corporate anointing that's coming upon you even now. And bondages and yokes are being broken and destroyed because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit that I'm working in you in this hour. So be encouraged and encourage and strengthen yourself in my word and you'll find out that it shall come to pass at last, at last, at last. It shall come to pass, says the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you for this. We glorify you for this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I glorify you for it, Lord. I magnify you for it, Lord. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for that anointing that's released. I thank you, Lord, that the heavens are open. Thank you, Lord, that the heavens are open. Thank you, Lord, that the heavens are open. They're not closed, but they're open unto us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, the heavens are open unto us. Lord, because we need that heavenly assistance. Lord, it's not that we we cannot do it in our strength. We cannot do it in our ability, but with your assistance, with your help, with your strength, we can accomplish your will and we can accomplish your plan. So, Father, tonight, we trust you for the anointing to be strong upon each and every person here. And I thank you that great increase of that anointing will take place even from this very night. And the enemy will have to take flight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we take authority over him now in the name of Jesus and command you to take your hands off the presidential office of this nation right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to loose it and let it go. I command you, Satan, to take your hands off the Supreme Court of the United States of America and loose it and let it go. I command you, Satan, to take your hands off the Congress of the United States of America and loose it and let it go. I command you to get out of those areas right now in the name of the Lord Jesus and I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is written whatever I bind on this earth is bound in heaven and whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven and father I bind every evil spirit according to your word and according to the anointing that you granted me to do so and we command these maneuvers of Satan to stop now And stop your maneuvers against the church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your hands off the body of Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your hands off the ministers of the gospel and their families. Take your hands off the Christians and the saints and their families. Take your hands off and loose and let go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth because this is a brand new day and we're going forward in the anointing in God's way in the name of Jesus and there's no devil and there's 
no demon that's going to be able to stop it uh, in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that even though every state, Lord, has its positions in governors and governments, and city and county and public officials, Father, I take authority over those areas right now in the name of Jesus. And I command Satan to take his hands off of every state in the name of Jesus. And Lord, and all those in authority in those areas, and the city and county and public workers also, and officials. And Father, I thank you for the anointing of God that will be released upon our nation. And then, Father, I thank you that the church will arise strong in this day. Lord, there will be no weakness, but there will be strength. Lord, we're not weak, but we'll be strong. Just like your word says, strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Thank you, Lord, for that supernatural strength. Thank you, Lord, for that supernatural ability. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're not going to even turn aside to look at what the devil's doing and saying. We're not going to turn aside because I see the body of Christ even now. Many have turned aside and looked to the left. Some have turned aside and looked to the right. And some have perked up their ears, so to speak, to listen to more what the devil is saying than what God is saying. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to what he's doing. Don't look at what he's doing. Look at God and look at his word and look at his glory and look at the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us because he has set us free in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for this time of supernatural victory, supernatural anointing that has come upon us in this day. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Now, Father, we thank you for your holy written word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, Lord, I realize and I can see even now, Lord, through this all, that you've got a plan for our success. And Father, tonight, I ask you to make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer that'll have words to speak to those who are weary in due season. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for things that will be affected here, but I thank you for things that will be affected, Lord, in the realm of the Spirit and throughout our nation. Lord, I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. But Father, I know that there's a, a time that many have been down and out. Many have been going through the motions of Christianity. And it seems as if that they've lost sight of where they should be and who you are. And Father, I realize it's because of the enemy and how he's come against your people and come against your church. But Father, I thank you tonight for that supernatural strength that shall come upon us in a mighty way. And as we reverently and humbly approach your word, we thank you for revelation of your word illustration of your word and impartations from the Holy Ghost that empower and enable us to walk out what we have heard. We're careful to give you the glory for it, the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. The Lord's been dealing with me along these lines ever since I got here. I'm, I'm telling you about demonic powers and things like that. It seems like the God has used me along those lines in times past. Turn to Acts chapter 10. I, I just found out we're, we're going this direction tonight. Acts chapter 10. Thank God for the anointing. 
Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10. Verse number 38. This is what the Lord put in my spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. When Jesus came along, the oppression of Satan had to stop when Jesus showed up. When Jesus came, every demon that he encountered, every opposition of Satan that he encountered, even Satan himself in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus encountered, he overcame him. Not one time did the devil win over Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you because we are in Christ, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and we always win through Jesus Christ regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it seems like, regardless of the opposition that you've been through and I've been through and the tests and trials and the things that's come our way. I'm here to tell you God is on our side. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good. Isn't that right? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So we know oppression comes from the devil and good things come from God. Isn't that right? And the devil is not going to win in the name of Jesus Christ. So he might as well pack his bags and go. I seen him on the loaded wagon going down the highway when I was coming to church. My God, he'd done packed up and said, I don't want to be around that church no more. I'm getting out of here. Because he knows that you know the truth. But the enemy will try to bring discouragement to us. The enemy will try to attack us. And let's just establish something right now. Are you ready to establish the truth? Because we as faith folks make faith confessions and we act like sometimes that we don't go through tests and trials. Dad Hagen never taught that. I remember in 1986... That uh, I know Pastor Edwin was there, Pastor Angela was there, I'm sure, when Dr. Pippin prophesied to Dad Hagen. Because Dad Hagen was encountering the greatest opposition that he'd ever encountered in his ministry by his own testimony. You remember this? By his own testimony. Now, at the time, nobody knew it. Because he didn't tell us, you know, any of this stuff till after the fact. But we were in a service one night there, and it was in the, it was Rooker Memorial, you know, and now, but it was RCA back then, you remember? It was in the RCA, but it was uh, uh, now Rooker Memorial Auditorium, you know. That's, that's where the meeting was. And it was packed out. In fact, to get into that service, uh, you know, unless you knew somebody on the inside... You had to stand outside. It didn't matter if it was snowing or not. You remember in winter seminar? And stand in line to be able to get in there. While I was an usher, I had it made. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything went well. And of course, at this time, I was an usher. 
And so I was guaranteed a seat. But my job was, because I had ate more biscuits than most folks had, you know what I mean? I mean, you can't go to Granny's house and not eat biscuits. I'm just here to tell you, Granny thought you sick if you didn't eat every time you come, you know. And so they would put me and another fella at the door, you know, and we would lock arms to keep the Christians from killing one another, trying <laughs> trying to get in Dad Hagen's meeting. So you would think, uh, you remember these things too? Uh, locked arms, I know you remember these things. And of course, uh, we, in this particular service in 1986, Dad Hagen was sitting on a platform and the Spirit of God got to moving. And then Dr. Pippins, remember Dr. Pippins? Dr. Pippins was a doctor of education. I mean, he was a very, very intelligent man. And he was a, a friend of, of Dad Hagen's, a real good friend of Dad Hagen's. And he was sitting there on, towards the front row along where Mom Hagen was, Miss Aretha Hagen. Dad Hagen's on a platform. And he got up out of his seat, if you'll recall, and he walked up towards the platform, and Dad Hagen was sitting up here on a chair to the left. You remember, he's on that side of the platform, and Dr. Pippins walked up. You always knew Dr. Pippins. He wore plaid coat, plaid shirt, plaid pants, plaid socks, and his uh, 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 pants, trousers, were about three to four inches too short, so he was ready for Noah's flood. He was always ready. But... Uh, he, he was just very intelligent, you know. You know, some of y'all intelligent folks, y'all got a few quirks, you know. <laughs> I, that's why you know I ain't got none, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's where Dr. Pippin was. It was very, and he walked up to the platform, and you remember what he said. He said, you're not going to leave here, and I'm just paraphrasing. You're not going to leave here talking to Dad Hagen. God's going to reverse your age. You're not going to leave out of here. We need you here. Well, at the time, we thought, all of us, you know, that knew, we thought the ushers were going to get Dr. Pippins, you know, and, and set him down. Of course, nobody did, but he began to prophesy to Dad Hagen and tell Dad Hagen, you're not going to leave here. You're going to stay. God's going to reverse your age, and you're going to stay here as far as, you know, what you feel and how you feel, even though you're getting older. God's going to reverse it. You're not going to leave here. Don't get that idea. We need you around here. And basically, that's how he prophesied. And I'm looking at Dad Hagen for some response but he would have been a very good poker player, so you never knew what he was thinking. But after the fact, later on, just a little while after this meeting, he got up and this is what he said. He said, when he got up and prophesied that to me, he said what most people, nobody knew, he didn't tell nobody, not even Mom Hagen, his wife, he said, I'd actually been under such an attack from the devil and opposition from the devil and such depression had come upon me. And, you know, he don't get up and brag about these kind of things, you know. And, and you know, faith folks, we try to keep all this stuff to ourselves. But he said, I had actually gotten to the point that I'd actually prayed and asked the Lord to let me come home. He was under such an attack. He said, but I got the victory. And he said, now the reason that I was going through that is because that the Lord was transitioning me into another phase of ministry and the devil was doing everything he could to keep me out of that transitional phase. Now, I don't know exactly, and I'm not Dad Hagen by any means, but I know somewhat of what he's talking about because I have dealt with similar issues 
when the Lord was going to move me into something, increase things in my life, and I started to press into the Lord, it seemed like that all hell, and I'm not cussing, cursing for city folks, I'm not cussing, but it seemed like all hell broke loose against me. It seems like that the clouds of darkness come upon me and it seemed like if I prayed, if I could get a few words out, that it would seem like my prayers would hit the ceiling. In fact, in this particular auditorium, it wouldn't even get that high and just fall down on me. And it's like I was in a cloud, like I was in a fog, like I was in a daze. In fact, I would talk to the Lord and I'd say, Lord, what's wrong with me? Lord, what, what have I done? Lord, have I made you mad? Oh, you don't talk to him like that? Because it seemed like the Lord was a million miles away from me. And there's people here tonight that have experienced this. And listen, and this is what I wanted to say earlier, but you know how we get on these rabbit trails and come back. Just because you're under attack doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. So get that out of your mind. Dad Hagen wasn't doing anything wrong. And many times people think because somebody's going through an attack, then they're out of the will of God. No, it very well may be that you're smack dab in the middle of God's will and the middle of God's plan and the devil is trying to discourage you and shut you down and trying to get you to a place that you won't press into everything that God has for you. So Dad Hagen had went through that time of discouragement. I mean, this is the man that we call one of the fathers of faith, so to speak, in our era. I mean, he's the one that taught us, you know, Kenneth Hagen, 1123. You know, it's in your Bible. He'd been accused of writing Mark 1123. Of course, he didn't. But it says also that... Uh, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. So the devil is the oppressor, but God is the blesser. And just because you may have encountered opposition in any area of your life, spiritually, physically, materially, financially, educationally, relationships, whatever it may be. The enemy tries to get involved every kind of way that he can to bring discouragement and hardships to us. But I'm here to tell you, I know a man named Jesus Christ who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I am anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And I go about doing good and healing all that's oppressed of the devil for God is with me. Said, are you making a fake confession, Brother Randy? No, I'm telling the doggone truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. I learned that in the courtroom. But anyway, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Going about, the Lord began to deal with me about it. When I come down to this church about this, I didn't know all about it and everything, but I know that God dealt with me about it. And I'm here to tell you, God is dealing with us tonight. Victory is sure. God is on our side. You think, well, what am I going to do? How are we going to get out of this situation? Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 said, when did you prepare for this message? When I was standing here in front of this pulpit. That's when I knew I was going to that, that scripture. When the spirit of God came upon me and I began to prophesy. 
Mark chapter 16. What is the first sign that Jesus said would follow a believer? Someone that's born again, somebody that believes in Jesus Christ, somebody that's saved. What's the first sign? It says here, verse number 17 of Mark 16. And these signs, so there's going to be more than one. But notice this, these signs shall follow them that believe. In other words, you've got to believe it. What's the first sign that's going to follow them? In my name shall they do what? Cast out devils. What does that mean? That means that we're going to have total authority and dominion over Satan, and we're going to put him in his place. So what is the first sign that's going to follow the believers? And I'm just going to end it right there. Just want to read that part of the scripture. It talks about other signs, but the sign we're talking about tonight is a sign that in Jesus' name that we shall cast out devils, we shall take authority over devils, and we shall put devils in their place in the name of Jesus, and nothing's going to stop us. We're going into God's perfect will, God's perfect plan, and his anointing will help us. I want to take you back to April the 5th, 1984. I don't know if we can all get in that DeLorean or not, but if we can, we're going to, they call it back to the future, back to the past, and Doc is around here somewhere. Anyway, we go, we're going to go back to April the 5th, 1984. Y'all remember that? On that day, I was, I was at State and Correctional Center there. I wasn't visiting the place. I was a resident of state and correctional facility. I was a convict. Now they got all kinds of names like residents and, and inmates. But back then they called us convicts because we were convicted felons. I had got gloriously born again on my third escape from prison, driving down the road in Galveston, Texas, the first week of May of 1982, when I had a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ. I had been in Baytown, Texas. Anybody know where Baytown is? I see a hand here. Anybody else over here? Baytown. Who just don't care where Baytown is? It don't matter where Baytown is. That's okay. Baytown, Texas is down there headed towards you. It's on down below Uvalde. Anybody know where Uvalde is? Anybody know where Tomball is? Dad Hagen used to talk about Tomball. Well, I, I've been down all through that place, but I was on the third escape from prison. And one night, <clears throat> I'm talking about how that the, the devil tries to take you over, but how God will rescue you and bring you out. I had a praying Pentecostal mama. I had a praying Pentecostal daddy. I had somebody, I had a brother that knew how to pray. Preachers that knew how to pray. And I was living for the devil. I was doing my best to help the devil kill me. I'm telling you the truth about it. And it looked like there was no way out in my life. Looked like there was no hope whatsoever. But they kept praying for me. They kept believing God for me. And I was sitting in an apartment in Baytown, Texas, right up the road from Mickey Gillies Club. Anybody know who Mickey Gilly is? Get the camera out, boys. Give it to the pastor. Give the picture to the pastor. Don't you, you know, the pastor Angela's got her hands full now. I'm telling you, I've seen several of them back here. They knew who Mickey Gilly, you know, I think he just recently passed away. Did you know that? Yeah, he recently did. You don't know who Nick, Mickey Gillis? You ever heard of Jimmy Swagger? What about Jerry Lee Lewis? (laughs) 
Brother Swaggart, I heard him say this, that he got to talk to them and pray for them to receive Jesus. You know, they all come from a singing background, and he got to pray for them. Because when they got older, uh, you know, they didn't come through most of their meanness, and they didn't have the strength to be mean no more. (laughs) So they started settling down to listen some. And he said, Brother Brother Jimmy Swaggart, Ken's some of them, you know, said he got to pray with him. I heard him say that one time. I was glad of that. But anyway, I, I was right up the road from Mickey Gillis Club. I don't know how you got me down to Mickey Gillis Club. I'm, I'm trying to get saved, and you're taking me down to the Duke joint. That's what we call it. But I'm telling you how the devil works. He was trying to take me over. He was trying to stop me from accomplishing the plan and purpose of God. So I'm sitting in this apartment. I just, uh, we just got a, a bunch of drugs in, and I'm not saying any of that's right. I'm not bragging about any of this. The only thing I'm telling this for is to help somebody presently and somebody in their future. So I'm sitting in this apartment in Baytown, Texas one night, and I had a fifth of uh, rock gut, whiskey, alcohol, you know, they used to have something, and I don't want to educate you too far. They used to have something called Southern Comfort Whiskey, 100 proof. And, and they so that was the biggest lie they ever told. There wasn't no comfort in it. It'd be a little sweet going down the gizzard, you know, but when it hit the bottom, woo! But anyway, how'd y'all get me over here? But anyway... I, I lived over in that world, and I thought that was the only world that existed. And I was trapped in that world, and there was no way out. Drugs. I remember one time, we went to the moon in a 1974 VW Super Beetle Volkswagen. We went to the moon. We did! There was five of us in there, you know, five getting in the Volkswagen. I mean, little bugs. And I was driving, and I drove up on top of this mountain, and there was a moon sitting right there. We thought we had landed on the moon. <laughs> Listen, we used to go to the moon sitting in the living room. I mean, it was just amazing. So you could imagine blotter acid and all kind of stuff, wind of pain, all that kind of stuff, you know. And I know your pastor up here is looking sanctified, but I'm not getting into all that. You know what I mean? But... My mind was messed up. It looked like that there was no hope for me. You know, everybody that knew my mama, you know, they felt sorry for him and all that. And people prayed for her and prayed for me. So I'm sitting in Baytown, Texas. And I have a fifth of whiskey in one hand, drugs in the other hand. And all these drug addicts are sitting around there. And they're smoking, drinking, shooting, snorting. Whatever you could do, they done it, you know. And suddenly I had this strange feeling come on me. I may say it like a sensation. And I had this overwhelming urge to speak these words out. And I thought, these people will think I'm crazy. I'm I'm crazy. And I thought, man, I must be what they call tripping back in those days, you know. I must be out of my mind. But I kept having this urge. And all of a sudden, I just blurted it out. I told all them drug addicts. I said, I am going to be a preacher. (laughs) With a fifth of whiskey in one hand, dope in the other hand. And they're sitting there laughing like you are. Ah, ha, ha. Yes, you're going to be a preacher. Yes, you're going to be a preacher. But I'm telling you, it was the Spirit of God that walked in that door. 
by mama's prayers and granny's prayers. And it walked up to that chair that I was in and it rattled me and it shook me. And the powers of darkness had to release me for a moment. And I spoke it out of my mouth. Well, it scared me when I said it because I knew it was real. This right here was something supernatural, something beyond the natural realm. It wasn't something I come up with and I realized I'm not tripping. I ain't even got that far out there yet. I was headed that way, but I ain't got that far yet. I got up and flung the drugs down, which you would never do, and alcohol down, and I got out. And I said, when I get back, it was my apartment. I expect all y'all to be gone. And I got up and drove up and down Interstate 10, you know, there between Louisiana and back into Texas on Interstate 10 there for a while. Just trying to, and I wanted to call home and ask mama or daddy what had happened to me. And then, of course, I finally got tired and went back to my apartment. Everybody's gone, fell into bed, woke up late the next day, and I thought about it. But then it kind of wore off, you know. And so by that night of the next day, I was in just as bad a shape I've ever been. Drugs, alcohol, I forgot about the experience. And so here we are again, about a week and a half later, I was headed down to Galveston, Texas. And we was going down to Galveston, following the plan of the devil, by the way, headed to Galveston, Texas. And we was going down there to commit a crime, a robbery. I, I was in prison for that. And uh, it was wrong. All those things are wrong. But I was driving down the road, and when I got down to Seawall Boulevard, you know, Galveston, Texas is an island. The only way on and off is by bridge or by ferry or airplane. You can fly an airplane down there. I have flown mine down there. But I went across the bridge, went in, and there's a road there that runs basically east and west of the island, and it's called Seawall Boulevard. And on Seawall Boulevard, I was supposed to turn left, then that would take us to where the crime was going to be committed. But instead of turning left, all of a sudden I had this sense again, just like I did in that apartment about a week and a half earlier, you know, and I had this sense if I turned left, that somehow there was going to be destruction for me down that way. And I had this overwhelming urge not to turn that way. And so I turned right instead of turning left with the people that was in the van with me. I was driving the van, protested, said, what are you doing? You know, we're supposed to be turning left. We got to get there at a certain time and all this. And, but I turned right. And what I turned right, all I can say is the glory of God came into that van. I mean, that same sense that I had in that room with a bottle of whiskey and drugs in my hand about a week and a half earlier, that power came upon me there on that roadside and I broke down weeping and crying because I realized something is happening. I just didn't know what. I'd been hearing about God since I was knee high to a grasshopper jumping dishes with soda crackers. I mean, mama taught me that and granny taught me that and daddy taught me that, but I was wavered. I'd been gone away from God at that time in my life. I would laugh at you if you told me about the Bible. I thought the Bible was a fairy tale book. Somebody wrote to me trying to make me be good and I was in total rebellion with the devil following him. So I turned right. When I turned right, I pulled over to the roadside on the side of the road there and I fell over the old steering wheel of old Dodge van that I was driving. I'll never forget it. I remember crying out. I don't know why I did, but I cried out like this. And I said, God, I said, if you're really real, like mama said, 
If you're really real, like Granny said, if you're really real, like Daddy said, I said, Lord, I'll give my life to you. And all of a sudden, I was impressed with this impression. I'm not saying I heard an audible voice, but I was impressed. If you'll turn your life over to me, I'll get out the mess that you've got it into, and you will do what I have called you to do. And when I began to weep and cry, and instead of showing me all the evil things I'd ever done before in my life, which was very, very many, all of a sudden, it seemed like to me that opportunities flashed before me and before my mind where I had rejected Jesus over and over. In other words, had opportunities to receive him, but I'd rejected him. And then when I seen that, and it was like that I had this sense if you reject me today, this is your last chance because the devil has laid a trap for you and you're fixing to walk into it and you're going to wind up dead and in hell. Well, you're talking about being scared to death. Well, I was scared to life and there is a difference, ladies and gentlemen. And I snapped out of it and I began to give my heart and life to the Lord. I'd heard about the, the prayers and prayed as a kid with mom and daddy. I remember kneeling down and praying with mom and daddy many times. My daddy was old time Pentecostal, you know. And, and that's the way I, he, I remember seeing him pray and us pray as kids. That's the way we'd done. So I knew a little bit about praying even though I'd been so far away from it. But I was ready to pray then. The powers of darkness lifted off of me as I cried out to God and it was like a, I don't know how to describe it. It was like demons left me. And I seen things go through the windshield of that van, not break it or nothing, but go out. And I realized later, didn't know then, that was demons that was in me that I had been yielding to. They left. And such a likeness and a freedom and a victory and a liberty came over me. I felt like maybe before this experience, I weighed 10,000 pounds. But after I received the Lord sitting there in that van, it seemed like I was lighter than the fella feather and I could do the moonwalk. I would get Pastor Edwin to do it, but he might hurt himself. So I'm not going to, don't get him up here to do the moonwalk, but it felt like I was light as a feather. You know, if you're going to weigh me, give me one of them moons. You ever been to NASA? I, they got a moon scale. You know, Dr. Chip, my good friend right here, he helped certify the shuttle that went up to the yonder and flew all over the place. He's sitting right here now where we can keep an eye on him. He used to work in relation with NASA and certifying them things. And I asked him before the service, how come this other rocket down here hadn't got off? And he's telling me all this technology, he's an engineer, you know, this, that, and whatever else. And I said, he said, we just get us some flex seal and seal (laughs) and seal it up. And of course, he knows I like that kind of talk, you know. (laughs) We'll get some flex seal. You know, you see it on TV. They can take and put that stuff underwater. My God. Well, I can't they launch that rocket. Let some of us go down there. My God, we'll show them how to get that rocket off the pad. We'll get us a four-inch putty knife and walk up to that thing. Put us a stop and say, we'll launch this thing and get her out of here. But he assures me they're going to get it off. So sitting there in that roadside van, I gave my heart and life to the Lord. And I'm talking about the demons that control me. They didn't control me no more. I used to be a cheating, lying, thief, low-down scoundrel. Now I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things become new. And I'll tell you, my demeanor changed immediately. If you are born again, there's going to be proof and evidence of it in your life. 
Because the moment I got born again, I wanted to pray. I wanted to find the Bible to read. And I wanted to find somewhere to go to church. I fell out of love with the world and fell in love with God. And I wanted God with everything that's within me. Because I knew that that's where my victory. I knew that's where my freedom. And I knew that's where my liberty was at. And I'm here to tell you it's still that way today. Even though that was way back yonder in 1982. I'm telling you. I'm still experiencing liberty today regardless of what the enemy's tried to do. Yes, he's tried to drag me down. Yes, he's tried to shut my mouth. Yes, he's tried to tell me that I'm not going to accomplish God's will but he is a liar and the father of all lies and I'm here to tell you he'll talk to you the same way. He'll come at you the same way and he'll accuse you the same way. The Bible says he is an accuser of the brethren. He'll tell you you've done this and you've done that. That's why you're having this. God put this on you. God ain't put nothing on you. I'm here to tell you, it's a devil lying to you. It's a devil attacking you. But victory is ours tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is sure in Jesus' name. You better lock the doors. I may take off running. I don't want to run out in the street. But <laughs> Woo! How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So here I am, I go back to prison. That's a long story. So I won't tell the whole story, but I go back to prison. The first sign that's going to follow the believer is what? In my name shall they cast out devils. Let me tell you my experience about how I entered into this more fully. When I got back to prison, you know, they took me to Holman Prison in Atmore, Alabama. And Atmore is where you get more time if you escape. I proved that. Atmore is where you get more. That's what we used to say as convicts. Anyway, they put me to life without parole prison there in uh, Atmore, Alabama. It's about 60 miles north, 60 miles, give or take a little bit, north of Mobile on Interstate 65. When you're going up towards Montgomery, there there'll be a uh, sign that says Atmore. Get off at that sign, turn left, and you'll go out and see a prison. Just keep going a little further. You'll see another prison on the left. And that's the prison I'm talking about, Holman Prison. The first one you'll come to, we used to call it Atmore Prison, but it was actually had a name, G.K. Fountain. It was named after an individual. Holman Prison was named after another individual. But anyway, uh, you know, I don't know if a claim to fame is to have a prison named after you. But anyway, <laughs> that's where I was at. And I started seeking God with all my heart. I went after him with everything that's within me. Says, was there tests and trials that come? Yes. I mean, the first day that I got back, all the old guys I used to run with, all the old crooks and criminals, they come up there and wanted me to come back and get involved with them in the gang again. I told them, nope. I said, I'm born again now. And they didn't understand what I was talking about, but I'm going to serve God. They laughed and mocked and made fun. They said, in two weeks' time, you'll be just like you used to be. Well, that was uh, back in 1982, and they're still waiting for me to come back, and I hadn't been back. In fact, some of the people that I knew are still there in that prison today. I used to have contact with them, but over the years we've kind of lost contact, but it's been so many years, you know. And so I was transferred from that prison up to another prison. And April the 5th, remember, that's where I took you to. It just took us a long time. Remember, when you get in this car and set the date, you know, sometimes you go through other places before you get there. So, and, and so we, we was in the car, you know, we was going to April the 5th, 1984. Y'all remember that, right? was in that DeLorean that was skipping and a beating and a knocking if you've ever been seen a real DeLorean. But anyway, 
I was standing out behind the prison praying April the 5th, 1984. Talking about our authority and in the name of Jesus, we have authority over demons. And uh, as I was praying and seeking God, I had been fasting too. Suddenly, about 12.30 in the right afternoon, the Spirit of God came upon me. And when he did, it's like that heaven just opened over me. And this is what he said. I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, I'm anointing you today to begin to enter into the ministry that I have called you to. Now, he said some other things, but that's not important. He said, I'm anointing you today to begin to enter into the ministry that I have called you to. Well, his anointing came on me, and it was so strong. A lot of times when the anointing gets on me real strong, sometimes I find myself weeping, and you know, because of his presence, you know, not because I'm sad, but because I'm glad and I'm filled with joy, you know. And so I remember I was almost slain in the spirit. And so there was old block wall there up beside of building. So I just backed up against that wall and just slid down. And there was an old bucket sitting there. So I sat on that bucket and come out of the kitchen uh, uh, where they cook uh, vegetables and all that. You know, like at Sam's, you get them gallon cans. Anyway, they would give us, they weren't supposed to, but some of them convicts would slip them out. And that was our lounge chair a one-gallon bucket turned upside down with a top cut out, you know. And the guards didn't bother us as long as we didn't knock nobody in the head with them, you know, which that could happen too. But anyway, I'm sitting down on that bucket. Well, what I didn't tell you, that I'm going to tell you now, I had been witnessing to a guy led by the Lord for about five months. He was uh, hateful. He was hateful to me. He was hateful to to Chaplain Browder. Y'all remember Chaplain Browder? We called him Chap. He was like your pastors. He was a, a man that was anointed of God. He believed in casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. You know, he believed in all those things, miracles. And it was rare for you to have a chaplain that believed in those things and practiced them in prison. So they were trying to uh, get rid of him. Some of those you know, in prison and authority was trying to get rid of him. But uh, he was a, a big help to us. And so I had been elected as a convict pastor under him. I was underneath the chaplain, of course, but I'd been elected as convict pastor because we had church seven days a week. Seven days a week. Seven days a week. Week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, and it didn't hurt us any. But you could say the reason we did is because we had time on our side. (laughs) We was called what you call doing time. So we had church seven days a week. So uh, I had been elected as pastor in a way that they had done that uh, is that he wanted us to preach sermons, you know, and then the uh, church got to vote on it, the convicts did. And some of them wouldn't even saved. I'm just telling you, they just come to get out of the sale and all that. But anyway, I got elected unanimously by all them, which was unheard of for somebody to do that. And they said, the chaplain asked him, well, why in the world did you elect uh, Brother Greer like this for 100%? They said, because he can really preach a message. He preaches better than anybody we've ever heard around here. What they didn't know, can I tell on myself? I got a hope to Brother Hagin's little mini books. You know them little bitty ones? And I'd get some tape from the chaplain and I would tape them in my Bible. (laughs) 
And I got proficient at reading Dan Hagen's messages and throwing some preach in there with it. Brother, I'm telling you, I could preach his message as good as he could. And I'd read it verbatim. The only problem would happen is I'd get excited sometimes and I'd get to spitting and sputtering and everything and the page would flip and I wouldn't know what to say next. I'd say, bow your heads and pray, boys. God is here. God is here. Well, they're bowing their heads and praying. I'm finding my place again, you know. And we take off. So I'm going to tell on myself, I could really get a message, but I got it from Dad Hagen. I'm telling you, I'm still preaching his messages today. I'm here to tell you, I heard him in his last meeting. I was there with him, and I heard him in that meeting preaching messages he had preached 60 years earlier. Word for word, he might have coughed in a different place. Same illustration. You know what I mean? Same message. I heard him preaching them. And I was thinking, here he is. You know, he was delivered from the law of repetition. It didn't bother him at all. He would just get up and tell the stories. And every time he would, though, you would get something different out of it. If you'd pay attention. You wouldn't turn him off. You'd hear something you'd never heard. Either God would be talking to you about something that maybe he wouldn't say and just because the anointing was flowing. And it was amazing how that would happen. So that's how I got elected as a convict pastor. And so here I am praying. I'm seeking God. And that's how I got to fasting and praying and seeking God for a move of God to take place in that prison. I've been witnessing to a guy, I remember, for approximately five months. He hated Chaplain Brighter. We called him Chap as a term of endearment. Not uh, disrespect, but high respect and for the chaplain. And then he hated him. He didn't like me. And the only reason I would talk to him, and I noticed he didn't have many friends, but I didn't know why. It was kind of not, you didn't, uh, there's honor among thieves. And one of the ethics is you didn't ask somebody what they were in there for. Unless they told you, you didn't, you didn't ask. That's just the way it was, you know. Just keep your mouth shut, stay in your business, stay out of their business, and you live longer. Live longer. I've been sleeping beside people before that messed with other people's business and all of a sudden I heard metal hitting metal and startled to wake up and the guy beside me would be getting stabbed to death because he'd been meddling in somebody's business. So you just live longer by keeping your mouth shut and keeping to yourself. Metal, metal. It's a metal knife. They make a shift shank, homemade knife, and then it had a metal on the bottom of the bed with a mattress on top of it. And when it went all the way through their body, you could hear that metal hit there. And they didn't stab them one time. They made sure they dead dead because they know if they got up from there, then it was going to uh, be bad for them. I lived through two prison riots. I mean prison riots like you see on TV and, and God supernaturally sustained me during that time. Two prison riots where a lot of people were killed, guards were killed, convicts were killed. Some were maimed for life because of these things that would happen inside of there but God was with me. So I've been witnessing to a guy for five months, approximately, not to the day, and trying to get him to Jesus because I, I was impressed to do it, you know, not because I was just had this wild idea wanted to witness to everybody. And there's nothing wrong with witnessing. But if you'll pray, God can show you who's ready to hear and who's not ready to hear. And you have to just follow that unction, you know what I mean? And so that's what I was doing. I was following that unction. And so... Uh, that day, when the anointing came on me, April the 5th, 1984, and I just slid down and sat on that bucket, and for about 45 minutes, I was basking in God's presence. 
I was basking in his glory and his anointing sitting there just worshiping him, crying out to him, you know. Suddenly this guy, his name was Robert that I'd been witnessing to. Some of you will remember this story. He walked around the corner, I hadn't told it in a long time, but this fits tonight. This, the Lord impressed me to share it. He walked around the corner of the prison and when I seen him coming towards me, I could tell he was furious, he was angry. In other words, he was mad. And he was coming towards me. And suddenly, this had never happened before, but a word of knowledge flowed through me, you understand? And this is what came to me. The reason you can't help that man is because he's demon-possessed. He's possessed with a homosexual spirit. And he said he's also got a lying spirit and a spirit of hatred in his life, and I want you to cast him out of him. I said, do what? Well, I knew the scriptures. It says the sign that will follow the believer in my name, they shall cast out devils. Well, I'd never cast a devil out of somebody. By this time, too, I'd got a hold to Brother Norval Hayes' books and, and Brother Summerall's books, and I'd read about a lot of experiences they had in casting out devils, you know. You remember Dr. Summerall over in the Philippines? There was this girl that was in a cage. You remember? And this thing would attack her in different ways, and I won't go into all that, but it would scratch her and tear her flesh, and she would bleed, and she'd be screaming and crying. And, of course, nobody knew how to help her. And Brother Summerall, remember, He went down there and started praying for that girl and commanded that demon to come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And finally that thing came out of that girl. She was totally set free and in her right mind. And it so amazed all those in authority that those in authority said, what do you want, uh, Reverend Summerall? He said, I want the town square. And he went out and set up a big crusade and they started a church in the Philippines. Remember that? I'm not telling the whole thing, you know, but he started a church in the Philippines. Sometimes when you step on the devil's head, it's time to stand up and crow like a banny rooster. Woo! My God. And that's what he did. He just stepped on the devil's head. I'm here to tell you the devil's not going to step on you and keep you down. He's not going to step on you and me and keep us down. We're going on. And so I stood up, you know, pushing myself up that wall. He come up there. And I mean, he was mad. I'm telling you, I don't want you to talk to me. And he was cussing and a fuming and tearing on. And I said, Robert, 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 calm down. I can help you. I can help you, Robert. I can help you, Robert. Just hang on, Robert. I said, let's walk the prison yard. And so as I'm walking the prison yard with him, all of a sudden he's spitting out hatred and everything. And the Lord would show me this. And I'm not starting a Bible doctrine on this. Don't get me wrong, but this is what I learned. The Lord would say to me, now that demon's talking to you. And then a little later, he would say, now that's Robert. Because Robert would say, I don't know why I'm saying all these things. I don't know why I'm saying all these things. Well, I didn't know. I'd never encountered anything like this. And finally, I convinced him to go with me to the chapel. And of course, he hated, it wasn't a chapel. It was just actually a room that we call the chapel, you know. So I convinced him to go. I don't want to go. I ain't want that chaplain. I want that. I ain't going to no church. I said, no, you don't got to talk to no chaplain. I said, I want to go talk to the chaplain because I want to see if Chaplain Browder would help me cast the devil out of him, you know, because I didn't know how to do it. So I brought him into the auditorium there. I said auditorium into the little room, and I set him down on a, a chair. I said, wait right here. So I went up there and knocked on the chaplain's door because I knew he was in there. And he said, what is it? I said, I need to talk to you. He said, oh, come in, preacher. That's what he called me. That's my nickname, you know. Come in here, preacher. So I come in there. He said, what in the world happened to you? 
He could just see my countenance. And I said, chaplain, I said, I was standing out there and the spirit of God came on me. And I said, the anointing came on me. And God said he was anointing me today to begin to enter into the ministry that I called you to. He said, you look like you enter into something, son. He said, what else happened? I said, you know, Robert, so-and-so. I said, yes. I said, the Lord told me he's possessed with a homosexual spirit and he's also got a lying spirit and a spirit of hatred hanging around his life and the Lord told me to cast him out of it. He said, well, what did you come up here for? I said, I want you to help me cast him out. He said, the Lord didn't tell me to do it. (laughs) He said, he told you to do it. He was a wise man. You know, a lot of y'all folks want to put it off on us, the ministry that God called y'all to. You, you pray for them yourself. You cast out the devil yourself. I wasn't hunting no devil. I'm hunting Jesus. So he opened the curtain because he had a window where he could see out in that room. He just pulled the curtain back and he said, oh, my Lord. He said, you've been dealing with him for five months. He said, I've been dealing with him for five years. Five years? Well, while I was walking with him before I brought him to the chaplain's office, and I'm not going too far with this because we got young folks. But he used to make movies with children the wrong way, you understand. And if back in that day, if the convicts would have known it, they would have killed him. Because you could not live in prison society like that. Now later on, it did change. It whole turned upside down. He said, you've been dealing with me for five months. He said, I've been dealing with for five years. He said... He's tried to get me fired. He said, he's hired attorneys to try to get me fired from here because he's got a lot of money, you know. And he said, I said, well, I didn't know all that. He said, yeah. He said, he's tried to get me fired. He said, I can't pray for him. He said, I don't, I don't need to get fired. He said, I got too many of y'all to help. And he said, this would just be the icing on the cake for him. I said, well, chaplain, what we going to do? He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll let you use my office. And he said, you can pray for him right here in my office. But I'm going to step outside. And I said, well, chaplain, I said, uh, well, I can't do this by myself. I said, I want to go get somebody to help me. He said, who are you going to get? I said, I'm going to get Dixon and I'm going to get Charlie. I said, why was you going to get Dixon and going to get Charlie? Because Dixon was a, a Christian weightlifter. And I think around here, I've seen wonderful ushers and maybe some usherettes and everything else. But we had bouncers in our church. You know what I mean? We did because... You know, we screened them when they come in. And if they didn't look like, because sometimes they come to kill one another in church. When they lock that door, I mean, they'd jump up and start stabbing people. So Dixon was the bouncer. And if he was witnessing to somebody and, and, you know, and they wouldn't receive it like they should, he believed in helping them do it. And you've heard of the right hand of fellowship. Well, he had a right hook of fellowship. And he would draw back and knock them down and jump on top of them and beat them up and down and tell them how much Jesus loved them. And he wanted to help them. And the guards would come and they would holler, preacher, preacher, come quick, come quick. And I'd say, what is it? Dixon's down in D block saving another one. I knew what that meant. Go down there and get him because they didn't want to go. They'd have to lock him in lockup. He'd be there for 30 to 60 days out of population. So I'd go down there where Dixon is and I'd grab a hold to him. You know, he'd listen to me eventually. I said, Dixon, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to help this man get saved right here. And he said, started talking about my Jesus. I said, Dixon, 
I said, the Bible says, pray for them that saw men against you evil. Pray for them. Not do that. He said, bless God, it says in the book of Jude, to save some is snatching them out of the fire. He said, I'm just knocking the fire out of this one. This one needs some help. And I'd get him up, you know, and get him off. And, and so I told the chaplain, I'm going to get Dixon. Of course, he knew who Dixon was. And I'm getting Charlie. Charlie was the one that played the guitar, you know. We had an acoustic guitar. And if you had six strings, you think you had an orchestra, you know. Because sometimes you couldn't just go down to the music store and get another string if you broke it, you know. So anyway, chaplain said, wait a minute, before you go, call Robert up here. So I, I looked out the door and I said, Robert, come in here, chaplain wants to talk to you. No, nope, I ain't coming. I ain't come. And chaplain hollered out, Robert, I, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to do it. Just come to the door. I want to ask you a question. You're free to go. I'm not going to hold you against your will. <clears throat> so Robert come to the door and I'm standing there with him. The chaplain's office is not but just about a eight by ten. I mean, it's just, it just gave him a little old room, you know, with a desk in it. <clears throat> a chair. And he said, Robert, he said, Randy tells me that you want him to pray for you. Is that correct? I said, yes. <clears throat> are, are you sure that you want to receive prayer? Yes. He said, okay. He said, Randy's going to go and get a couple of the guys out of the church and they're going to come and pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to go outside and y'all going to come here and pray in my office. Is that all right with you? Yes. What chaplain was doing was confirming that he wanted to be free because he told the chaplain, I've got something making me do what I'm doing and I'm tired of being this way and I want to change because somebody's got to want to change. So I took off and I went out because he went and sat back out in the the, uh, chapel. We call the chapel. It's the meeting room. And then he sat down and the chaplain said, hurry back now. And I said, I am. So I went, man, as soon as I come out of the door, you know, at the administration area kind of, I seen Charlie. And I said, Charlie, I said, I, I need your help. He said, what is it, preacher? I said, I'm going to cast a devil out of Robert so-and-so. And he knew who I was talking about. He said, you are? I said, yeah. I said, will you help me? He said, yes. I said, go up there and just talk to him, but don't mess with him. I said, where's Dixon? He said, I hadn't seen him in a while, but you know, mostly he's on the weight pile all the time, you know, praying in other tongues. So I started looking around at different places and finally I looked out there on the weight pile and I could see somebody bench pressing. When I got up there, that was Dixon. He could bench press 400 pounds plus praying in other tongues, you know. And so I got there and I said, Dixon? He said, yes. I said, you know Robert so-and-so? Yes. I said, the Lord told me he was demon-possessed and I need to cast a devil out of him. I said, will you help me? He said, yes. Preacher, I'll help you. Where's he at? I said, he's up in the, the chapel. We called it the chapel, even though it was a meeting room. Before I could stop him, he put them weights in that bench. He jumped up off that thing and started sprinting across that yard. Well, he was in a lot better shape than I was. I'd been doing a lot of fasting, you know, and praying. So he's a sprinting across that yard, and I started having visions of what he's going to do if he gets there before I do, you know. So I started hollering, Wade Dixon, stop Dixon, Wade Dixon, stop Dixon. I'm running across that yard trying to catch him. Finally, he stopped, turned around, put both hands on his hip and said, what is it, preacher? I said, Dixon, I said, we're not going to beat the devil out of him. I said, we're going to cast the devil out of him in Jesus' name. He said, bless God, I'll give it to him any way he wants it. And I, <laughs> I knew he would. Well, by that time, I got my arm in his so he couldn't run. We got up to the chaplain's office, got inside the chaplain's office. The chaplain stepped out. We set Robert down in the chaplain's desk chair. I didn't know what to do. And I just had Robert make a confession. 
Robert, what do you want God to do for you? He said, I've got something making me do what I don't want to do and I'm tired of it and I'm ready to be set free like you told me that would happen. So I said, okay, in the name of Jesus Christ, you foul demons that's inside of this man, come out in Jesus' name. When I said that, there were some tears that rolled down his cheeks and I thought, man, this is easy. I mean, this is so easy. I mean, he's got his deliverance because he shared a few tears. And then I said, well, now we've got him getting to pray the sinner's prayer because I think it's over, you know. Oh, I was sadly mistaken. But anyway, I said, Robert, pray this prayer after me. Say in the name of Jesus. And he wouldn't say it. I said, say in the name of Jesus. He wouldn't say it. And all of a sudden, I said, say in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he rose up out of that chair. Growling like an animal. The lights in the prison went out. Beautiful, sunshiny day. I ain't building a doctrine on it, but the lights in prison went out. The emergency generator that powered the prison power, it failed. I helped service that thing. It quit. And he's standing there growling like an animal. And this thing said through him, this voice spoke up. It wasn't his voice. It was a deep, dark voice. And he said, I'm a controlling demon over this prison. You don't have the power to cast me out. You'll have to come back when you get the power. Well, I turned to look at Dixon and Charlie because they were standing on my right and left, you know, and their expressions were as if to say, which way do you want us to go? (laughs) And I was about to tell them, let's get out of here, Jack. We'll let him have this thing. We'll come back when we get that power because it was supernatural. But suddenly, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God rose up inside of me. And before I realized what I was doing, I said, you lying devil. That devil was lying. You lying devil, I command you to come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of God knocked him back down in that rolling chair and he hit against the wall. And the next thing I know, here come Dixon. He about knocked me down coming around me. He walked up to where Robert was, grabbed him like you would a bulldog would a ball and picked him up and shook him and said, come out of him, you devil, like my preacher said so. (laughs) And slung him back down in that chair. By this time, the chaplain heard all this racket and uh, he stuck his head in the door. He said, oh my God, what are you doing? But that devil was crying out. It was coming out. And he seen that that devil was coming out. He said, boys, plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood. Don't let that thing get on (laughs) y'all. So here we are pleading the blood, commanding this devil to come out. And then Robert was totally set free. He received Jesus as his savior. We laid hands on him. He began to speak fluently in other tongues as the spirit of God gave him utterance. He was totally set free. The guard came bursting in the door and Robert had already got up. He was hugging the chaplain. He was hugging me. He was hugging the uh, Dixon, hugging the Charlie. He was hugging everybody. When the guard run in the door, He didn't care who it was. He'd been changed. He grabbed this big old burly strapping officer and said, I love you, sir. I love you, sir. I love you, sir. They cast the devil out of me. I love you, sir. 
He said, my God, chap, you ought to be ashamed. Talk to the guard, talk to the chaplain. He said, these men are drunk. What's wrong with these guys? They're drunk. He said, no, sir. He said, this is not a natural. He said, this is a supernatural anointing of God that's got a hold of these boys. He said, I'm going to lock all y'all up. And he said, no, sir. He said, don't lock us up. And so he talked them out of it. He said, get back to your cell block because when the power fails, then it's a security risk in the prison. So they have what they call lockdown. So everybody has to go back to their cells. And so I said to uh, Robert uh, there, I said, Robert, you got to go back. I said, we'd like to stay here and worship and praise God with you. I said, but you got to go back because you're going to get in trouble and I am too. So when he started to walk, he just collapsed. You know, he was the anointing was on him so strong. And so Dixon reached down and grabbed him, you know, and put his hand around his waist and started trying to walk with him, you know. He collapsed again. So Dixon just reached down and grabbed him like a sack of taters and put him under his arm. And he started walking out the door with him. And as he went out the door, he went out the side of the chapel's office and chaplain's office, and it dawned on me, what if Deputy Warden Thurman's standing out there? Boy, we're going to get in trouble. They're going to think something's going on bad. So chaplain and I ran real quick, and sure enough, there's Deputy Warden Thurman, one of them big old bullhorns telling everybody, lock down, lock down, lock down, all the convicts. And so I said, chaplain, do something. Chaplain, do something before they lock them up. And chaplain looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He went to flopping out across there, everything a flopping and a moving, and he was hollering at Deputy Warden Thurman, spiritual experience, spiritual experience, spiritual experience. Well, the Deputy Warden got to looking at him and got to laughing at him because he had a, he had a, he was well endowed in the middle. You know what I mean? He was well endowed. So everything was a jiggling and a carrying on. His arms were going up and down like this. And so Deputy Warden Thurman said, and so Dixon looked at me and he's got Robert under his arm and Robert's praying in tongues at this end and he's kicking in tongues at that end. I said, can you kick in tongues? I've seen some wild services. I'm here to tell you. And I've been in them. I said, go, go. And he took him across that prison yard. Had to go through another couple of gates. And I'd done told Dixon, when you get him there, get back. Because he was in the same cell block I was. And let me know what happened. So he got him into his bed and put him down. He slept in a 75-man dormitory. Robert did, the one he got set free. So Dixon got back. And I was waiting on him at the cell block. I said, what happened? He said, when I laid him on his bed, he said he was singing in other tongues. He said all the other convicts around there thought he had lost his mind because he was normally a quiet guy. He didn't say very much, kept to himself, you know, and all that stuff. He didn't want nobody to know what he was in prison for, you know. But anyway, he kept to himself, was quiet. He said, I left him that way. So the lights and power still out. So they don't open the prison back up where you can move about until the next morning. Well, they opened it up. One of the boys that slept in the dormitory with him come down there to the my cell block. And they said, preacher, preacher, what did y'all do to Robert? I said, what do you mean what did we do to Robert? He said, he has lost his mind. I said, what do you mean lost his mind? He said, in the middle of the night, last night, about three o'clock in the morning, he sat right up in the bed and he started singing. I love the warden. Nobody loves the warden. I love the warden. He said, it scared everybody so bad. Uh, They call it going off in prison. Granny used to call it kindly being addled. And we call them today crazy, you know. It used to be if you was crazy, you couldn't be in society. But that is reversed today. 
And if you're not crazy, you can't be in society. I mean, it's just, uh, just the way it is. And those that's been around a while, you know what I'm talking about. It didn't used to be, Granny would say, oh, bless their darling heart. They're touched. Yeah. The old timers, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're touched. That was a kind road for out of, a kind word for out of your doggone mind. God, when that happened, we had, I think he made the 11th convict in our church. And, and about five of them wouldn't totally, what you'd sanctified, born again. 11. That was on a Tuesday that happened. Tuesday afternoon. We, we could, on, on Saturday, you couldn't seat very many people in this church. On Saturday, so many people had gotten born again. Devils come out of them, filled with the Holy Ghost, that we could not fit the convicts in the little church we called her chapel. So I went to Captain Felton Crumpton. Y'all remember Captain Crumpton? He was six foot nine. The captain of all the officers over all the shifts. And I went to him. He had known me as a heathen and he had known me as a preacher. And we had a mutual respect because respect he knew my life had changed. And I said, Captain Crumpton, I said, I got a problem. He said, what is it, preacher? I said, I can't seat everybody that wants to come to church in here in this little room. And he knew where it was at. He said, what do you mean you can't see them? He said, nobody wants to come to church. I said, we got more people that's wanting to come in there than we can get in there. We don't have enough seats. And you know the guards ain't going to let them stay there. They ain't going to run them out. He said, well, what are you telling me for? I said, I know it's against the rules. I said, but would you give us permission to have church out on the south yard and let me put my back in the corner of this electrified fence and let me set them around on the ground in semicircle and let me preach there at church. He said, you know that's against the rules. I said, Captain, I said, do you know Troy Bibby? He said, you know I know Troy Bibby. He's one of the meanest boys in this prison. I said, he's sitting up there in church. He's born again. No, he's not. I said, do you know Paul Bibby? He said, yeah, I know Paul Bibby. Everybody in this prison is scared of Paul Bibby. I said, Paul Bibby got born again. That's Troy's brother. No, he didn't. They, no, there ain't no way. That's the meanest man in this prison. He done killed too many people. I said, he's sitting up there in that church right now. He said, you show me. I went up there. We, he opened the door up because everything's locked. He looked in. He seen Troy sitting there. He seen his brother Paul sitting there. He said, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. He said, come on. He went, took me back to his office, got on the phone, called the guard towers, called the sergeant of arms on, that was on control that day. said, I'm going to let the convict church go out and have church out in the prison yard. We went out of that prison yard, and I'm telling you, when we started worshiping God, the glory came down. The anointing came down. And the anointing came in that prison yard to such an extent that boys had come up and, and was standing around there that wasn't born again and demon-possessed. The power of God was knocking them down, and we was casting out devils right there on that yard. It was miraculous. But notice this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing what? Healing all, doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil. The devil is not going to oppress us. 
Just because you've been attacked don't mean that victory is not yours. It doesn't mean that you've been doing something wrong. I'm telling you, the anointing is here to set the captive free. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost and the power of God. We thank you for your anointing, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.